The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anshu Khanna. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn, again joined as always by Anshu Khanna. Anshu, uh, the uh, Western Conference Finals going on as we speak. The Warriors mounting a comeback. I know we're going to talk a lot of NBA, talk some Game of Thrones, talk some uh, PGA. Uh, but most importantly, how are you, my friend? Oh, definitely most importantly. I am doing well. Got my windows open. It's a nice night in Chicago. How's it going with you, bud? Yeah, it is. It is very nice night. Uh, they're they're actually redoing my patios, so I don't want uh, the lacquer to be smelling up my apartment. So my windows are closed, but uh, <laughs> hopefully Portland has a window open in this game. It looked like they were oh, on. Oh, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> a Dan like a Dan like transition. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, the game. I mean, it, the Portland looked great in the first half. They were up by fifteen, and Damian Lewis really struggled in that first quarter. Uh, you know, he figured things out a little bit in, in the second quarter. CJ McCollum was having a great game, but it looks like Clay Thompson's uh, been a big part of this run that the Warriors are on this comeback. So let's just kind of start there. Obviously, Kevin Durant's injury has been a big story in this series. And, uh, you know, Steph Curry had the big game to close out uh, the last series. But what do you think Portland's odds are in this series? It looks like Durant's going to definitely miss games three and four. He's not going to be traveling with the team to Portland. If Portland can pull out game two... How realistic is it that they can win one or two of those games in Portland without Kevin Durant being back? Oh, it's extremely realistic. I, I think it's almost a lock that they win at least one of them. But if they're if they're able to steal this one, and it looks like they're down now with about three and a half minutes left in the third quarter, the Warriors are just on an absurd run. But I, I mean, if they if they they were up fifteen there late in the second, I mean, it, it's like. If they're able to steal this one, which they should, honestly, with the way that they looked without Lillard being really good, as you said, I mean, you go back to Portland, one of the best, if not the best, home court advantage in all of basketball, honestly, that, I mean, they could come back here with a lead in the series. I'm not, I, I know that that's, there are a lot of things that have to happen before that. I'm not saying that I think that's what's going to happen, but at worst, I think there's a decent chance they come back 2-2, even if they were to lose this game, just because of that home court advantage in Portland. Yeah, I mean, I I hope that they can win this one, because I feel like if they go down 2-0, there's just no coming back from that. But you you mentioned the home court advantage. You never know that, you know, we've talked about the series doesn't start until the home team loses a game. Uh, You know, if, if they could pull one off in Oracle, the series definitely gets interesting, if nothing else, because we just don't know how long Kevin Durant is going to be out. Uh, We would love to give you the series odds from our friends over at BovadaSportsbook.com, but uh, that game is going on, so they're not available right now. But we are going to talk about some odds in the Eastern Conference. Uh, So Bovada's got Milwaukee as the favorite after they win game one. Toronto came out looking very solid. Kawhi had a good game. Uh, but the Bucks were able to come 
back with uh, Robin Lopez having a huge game. 29 points uh, was a playoff career high for him. Um, and the Bucks were able to win game one, 108 to 100. Aren't you? I know you've been very high on this Bucks team, uh, but minus 450. I mean, are you surprised at all by those odds? Obviously, winning game one is big, but uh, minus 450, uh, the odds are definitely showing them as the huge favorite in this series. Yeah, that's that's a little much. I think they came in on Bovada around minus two fifty, probably is I think is what I I actually got them around there, and at minus two twenty five to win the series, which is it's a, quite a bit. I, I'll admit that that was probably a little bit of fanboying on my part, but like I also just feel like that home court advantage is such a big factor for them. And I just look at these two teams. We talked about it last week. I just if I'm Milwaukee, I was big time rooting for Toronto to win that series instead of. Philly, and it's not necessarily because I think Philly's the better team. I just think that Toronto is a is a better matchup for Milwaukee in particular, just because of the the fact that both teams are so similar. I mean, if you look at them right down the line, Kawhi is like a basically a Giannis, right? Like a mini Giannis. I'm not. I, I think that he's more skilled, obviously, but just in terms of an entire team revolving around one player's ability, and then you know Siakam's got. A little bit of like Middleton-ish versatility, especially defensively. He's such a stopper and is so athletic. And then, you know, Lowry and like, and Lowry had an absolutely unbelievable game one, by the way. I mean, he was absurd in that game, but he was still minus 10 um, and when he was on the court. And, and I just like Lowry versus Bledsoe slash Brogdon. I, I just felt like every at every spot they match up the Bucks do a little bit better. And then I like Budenholzer a little bit more than Nick Nurse, at least at this stage of their career. So I just think that overall it's a nice matchup. And, you know, when you get Brooke Lopez playing like the game of his career. Did I say um, Robin Lopez? No. I, I think did I did. did I always get the two mixed up. God. You were probably watching the uh, Godzilla commercials that have been all <laughs> over the commercial. That, those are absurd. But, yeah, no, I, I – uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to get your perspective because you came into this thinking Toronto is, you know, maybe not the better team than Milwaukee heads up, but certainly deserves to be here. I think these are the two te- best teams in the East. I'm just I'm interested to get your perspective on it. Yeah, coming into the playoffs, I thought Toronto was going to be the, the team to beat. And I, I know everybody was on the Bucks bandwagon and Giannis is probably the best player in the Eastern Conference. But uh, Kawhi is just oh, not far Kawhi. off. Yeah, yeah. Kawhi, you, you saw the shot that he made to win the series against Philadelphia. Uh, Kawhi has just been amazing in these playoffs. I mean, his volume has been up, and he he wasn't uh, he wasn't extraordinarily efficient shooting the basketball in Game One. I mean, it was ten of twenty six, uh, so he got a lot of shots up, but uh, he finished with thirty one and nine. So, but his, he, 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 yeah, and he also had minus four uh, in the plus minus on the court, and they had multiple players on in the plus side. So. You know, I think Kawhi is a a formidable opponent for this Giannis-led Bucks team. And I think this is a game that we're going to see go six or seven games. But I did say before this series that I I started to kind of steer the other direction. And I I did believe that that Milwaukee uh, had proven to me that they're probably the best team in the East. And not only the best team in the East, but their depth provides something very interesting because they have a lot of different guys who can beat you. Uh, and you mentioned Brooke Lopez, not Robin Lopez having a huge game. Uh, you know, yeah. nobody expected to see 29 and 11 out of him, uh, but they had multiple guys in that game with double doubles. They had Giannis with 24 and 14 and 10 who actually uh, 24, 14, 10 of those uh, were defensive rebounds, obviously. And then he had six assists to go along with it. Um, 
Chris Middleton, you mentioned, had a good game. He was he had 11 points and uh, 11 assists on top of that as well. And then Lopez with the 29-11. I mean, when you have that efficiency out of your role players, Miritich chipped in with 13. You had Brogdon off the bench with 15 as well. Uh, if you can get some of those role players uh, playing big minutes in those games, I mean, they, they went nine deep in this game, and all of those guys played significant minutes. So, uh, the, Brogdon the, the, plus 18. Plus 18 for Brogdon. What a huge... Piece he's been to get him back healthy has been such a, a monster factor, both in that Boston series and then obviously here. You can tell that he means a lot to them. Yeah, and you you spoke a lot of of the X factor that he adds to this team, and we you know we we saw them add a lot of people, which we we've alluded to on previous shows, but they 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 I think pose the biggest threat to Golden State remaining in this playoffs if they can get there. But yeah, I, I do think yeah. that Toronto team's going to bounce back. I think they'll win game two, and I think this is a series again. I think it's going to go six or seven games. I think Kawhi, uh, I think Kawhi is is going to prove he belongs in this series. And I, I just I think that uh, Toronto. I mentioned the depth of of Milwaukee. Toronto made a lot of additions as well. Their their additions maybe aren't showing up as much in these playoffs. You mentioned Lowry's big game, but Siakam has disappeared at times. Uh, Marcus Gasol's had some really bad games in these playoffs, and Danny yeah. Green. I mean, he's he's supposed to be your three point shooter on this Toronto team, and he's kind of been non existent at times too. So you're going to need those guys, those role players, to step up. Serge Ibaka only had four points. He was minus seventeen on the plus minus in the yeah, game well. one for Toronto. I mean, Serge Ibaka. He's a guy that usually is a high efficiency scorer. Uh, you know, is going to shoot a high field goal percentage. If he's if he's got four points and a minus fourteen, you're probably not going to win that game. So they need the role players to step up. Their bench isn't quite as deep. Uh, where's Jeremy Lin's minutes at? I mean, come on, give this guy Zero. A, give this guy a shot. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, man. no, but like honestly, Ibaka was so good at the end of that Philly series, and I really thought that Ibaka was going to be a difference, the difference in this series. I mean, he. Of all their players, I thought, you know, around that game seven and game six, like he he looked to me like the most comfortable player, even though some of these other guys have obviously played in some huge games. But Ibaka has played in a ton as well. And, and it just seemed like he looked spry and, and ready to go. And he was their only player with a positive plus minus of, of above one, basically, in their entire roster. So I, I one question I have for you is, as a, a big NBA fan is, do you think it's natural for Kawhi Leonard to shoot 26 shots? Because to me, it just doesn't feel right. Like, I feel like he's he's an awesome player, obviously, and sometimes he does have to do that. But I don't think they're at their best when he's when he's got to shoot that much, especially against a team that's going to throw, you know, players like Middleton and, and Giannis on him. And, and those are two of, you know, the probably the five best players in the conference defensively. You know, that's a really good point. And I actually noticed this in the last, in, in that Philadelphia series, Kawhi kind of took on a very LeBron James in the playoffs-esque yes. role. And it's not the type of role that you would expect him to play with the, with the supporting cast that he has. And Lowry, like you mentioned the points with Lowry, but like Marcus Saul is an all-star and he just has not looked like an all-star. Pascal Siakam had a coming out year. I mean, he's been amazing this season. Nobody saw it coming, but he's been amazing this season. And he just hasn't been that player over the last five or six games. So I, I, I mean, I, yes, I, I've definitely noticed that. And, you know, like I said, 10 to 26, you know, he put up great numbers, 31 points. That's nothing to scoff at, but you don't want him shooting 26 shots. You want, you know, you want Kyle Lowry putting up shots. You want Danny Green doing better than one of five from the field. Sergio Baca is only shooting six times and goes two of six. I mean, he's a guy who scores inside the paint more often than not. You're just not going to get it done. Marcus had six points in this game on two of seven from three, two of 11 from the field. Oh, that's an yeah. all, that's a former all-star center 
from Memphis that you th- you you went and traded Jonas Valanciunas and, and other pieces for, and he just isn't showing up in these playoffs. So yes, I, I think that for for Kawhi and to lead this team to victory, those other role players are going to have to step up. And we we saw LeBron carry terrible teams through the Eastern Conference. This is not that LeBron Eastern Conference that we're used to seeing in past years. This is a different Eastern Conference. There were four contenders. Boston kind of bowed out as a contender, but everybody saw them as a contender going in. And they're not just going to be able to to ride Kawhi's coattails. Yes, he hit a big shot to win Game 7 against Philadelphia. You don't want it to come down to that against Milwaukee because they're going to play better defense and they're they're, they're going to probably put you away a little bit earlier in those games. I just I, I think it's going to need to be a different-looking Toronto team, but they did a really good job of adapting when they had to in the last series, and I think they can do it here. Do I think they're going to win? Probably not, but I think that I think they'll change their mindset in, in the next game, and hopefully some of those role players at least start hitting more shots, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, uh, I when I look at that, I you brought up Gasol. That what a swing that you score, you get Gasol, like you said, you make the huge trade with Valanciunas, you give up, you know, some of your future for basically this run with Kawhi and hopefully to keep him there. And Gasol goes 39 minutes, two of 11, like you said. And more importantly, on the other end, Brooke Lopez scores 29 on him. So you've got a net of minus 23 between those two centers where you expect to have a big advantage generally, right? And so, I mean, I just, I think it's incredible that that happens. I think it's incredible that Brooke Lopez has turned into suddenly this freakish three point shooter. He literally shot zero threes in like his entire career until three years ago. Now he goes four of 11 in an Eastern conference game in the Eastern conference finals playoff game that they absolutely needed him to shoot, you know, like that. And, and I mean, it's crazy to me. And I just, if that's going to happen for the rest of the series, Toronto has absolutely no chance. I'm just saying that right now. That's fair. Not Robin Lopez, but Brooke Lopez with a big game. (laughs) All right, now real quick before we move on from basketball, I want you to put on your Bovada odds maker cap. If you were putting odds on this series and Kevin Durant gets back healthy, what kind of odds would you give the Bucks if they end up taking on Golden State in the, in the finals? Oh, man. That's a great question. I mean, it, here's part of it. Like, again, Golden State without home court advantage, we just haven't seen it. And I, I also think that Golden State's got a little bit of a boost. We'll see how this game ends. But they – they definitely look more like the Golden State that I think we're used to seeing as far as just with the flow without Durant. But obviously you throw Durant on the court and he's probably the best you know player in the in the league. And, and I mean, boy, if I was Bovada and I had to set a line for this, I would probably say Golden State minus 150. I wouldn't feel great about it, honestly. And that's, you know, maybe a little bit of bias. But so Golden State minus 150, say it's, you know, the Bucks plus that would make the Bucks plus one seventy or something. What do you think about that? Would you like the Bucks there? No, <laughs> not, with, <laughs> not with Golden State at full strength. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah. this is their, I think this is their final run. I, th- I think, I think Durant's going to go try and do something on his own and and be, you know, not next to another MVP on this team. I, I don't know that Clay will be there, but. Maybe, uh, but I, I think Durant's going to leave, and I, you know, Golden State. This could be the end of that dynasty, or at least the end of the dynasty as we know it today. So I just I don't see them I'll, losing I'll, as much as I want to see them lose. I I, I I hate seeing them win. I hate seeing them, you know, come back against Portland tonight. But they're they're tied up. Hopefully Portland can pull off game two. But I, I just I think if Durant comes back healthy, it's just I just don't see it happening. I, I, how I, low the odds have to be? How, or like how high would their odds have to be? Where you'd have to say Golden State would have to be three to one. Four to one, like again, I would Milwaukee probably put a few bucks on the Milwaukee at plus 
275 plus 300, but I'm probably betting with my emotion and not, not what I actually think is going to happen. Wow. I, I mean, I'll be a, interested to see if, if about a, if that ends up being, you know, the series, if that, what the line would be, because I, that series I think is going to, would be, you know, obviously one of their bigger tests in the last few years. I think that's safe to say. All right, let's talk some golf. Uh, we definitely don't do enough of it on this show, uh, but we've got the PGA Tour Championships going on here this weekend, and it just started today. So we've got the updated odds after round one. Brooks Kepka, the leader, and he's got the best odds there at plus 150 on Bovada. Dustin Johnson at plus 1,000, and Tommy Fleetwood at plus 1,200. Looking down this list, Anshu, what uh, names stand out as you that somebody that can make a run? Yeah, I mean, Kepka to do what he's done is just unreal. He sets a course record at Beth Page Black in the first round, going shooting a 63 today. I mean, that's unreal. Plus 150. I think that those odds are really actually quite good because Kepka's never missed a, a cut in a major uh, where he's been healthy. So, or at least not since like 2013. So, in this last, I, I believe it's 12 majors or something, he's never missed a cut. He's he's really been very very good very consistent and um you know he's got two of the best rounds in major you know the la- in ma- in a major in the last 5 years so i, I think that kapka plus 150 is a pretty safe bet just cuz it, it's hard to imagine anyone stringing together a bunch of rounds and beating him and i mean dustin johnson still plus 1000 is wild to me so i i it's mean crazy, i isn't it yeah it's it is crazy and i mean those those guys are obviously good buddies i i actually really like kapka even at plus 150 i know he's got to fight off the field but, you know, because he's so steady, because he's so unlikely to tank, it means somebody else has to absolutely dominate the next three days. And I just don't see that happening. So I do think it could be a wire to wire PGA for Kepka. Not a lot of love for Danny Lee. He's sitting there at six under uh, a stroke back of Brooks Kepka, but his odds <laughs> all the way down there at plus twenty five hundred. Uh, what did you think of Tiger Woods day? I mean, he's still got decent odds for somebody who had such a horrible day, plus thirty three hundred to win the tournament. Uh, he didn't have a great day. I think he had three bogeys and one double. Yeah, he had two doubles, actually. And then he, nice. he also had an eagle to come back, which is just a really up-and-down day. He was sick. He only he didn't even get his practice run in the day before, so I think he's a little rusty. Um, you know, he would have to play the next three days of his life, basically, to win this. But who knows? Like, if Kapka tanks and Fleetwood isn't able to keep up what he's been doing, I mean, Tyre could make it up. The problem is, on this course, it doesn't seem like – there's a lot of room for big swings because there's not a lot, at least in terms of getting a lot better. Cause Kepka is, is clearly the, uh, the anomaly amongst this group. Obviously Danny Lee hit a randomly great day, but I just, you know, that there, it's not really happening with a lot of other people. There aren't a lot of birdies to be had out, out here on this course. So um, I think it's going to be real tough for Tiger, but he's still, you know, he was actually in the top five late in his day. Um, but, you know, obviously a couple other guys got better at the end, and we'll, we'll just have to see. But plus 3,300 is tough for me for Tiger as much as we all love him. Yeah, the good news for everybody is that uh, it, it's the usual suspects are bunched up there at one under, even, one over. Uh, you've got Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler. I mean, Jason Day, Phil Mickelson all sitting there at, at one under. Uh, so yeah. some of the names that you would expect to be there at the top of the leaderboard, but Kepka obviously with a, a big lead and – you know, he's he's making a name for himself. Uh, Kepka can win this PGA Tour championship. I mean, how close is he to being one of the the, the absolute greats in this sport? I mean, obviously, he's won a few majors now, but uh, Kepka really looking like the next star in this sport. 
yeah, I mean, he is just crushing it on, you know, in the majors. He basically saves everything for these majors. He just doesn't really care about the non-majors. And when he comes for these tournaments, he dominates. And, you know, he obviously has the ball striking to just dominate these guys and, and be as good as anyone in the field. But his consistency around the green is what's really impressive to me, considering, you know, this is a big, strong dude. And, but the issue with guys like Dustin Johnson haven't, hasn't been the big hitting. It's, you know, it's the touch around the green. And, you know, that's something that kept has really, really impressed me with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's right there and he's, it's got to, it's got to really annoy all these other golfers. I think, you know, because he, he doesn't even show up for non-majors. Then he rolls into these and he just kills everybody. So, you just wonder how great he would have been if had he, you know, played in all these other tournaments and been healthy for every major because he's missed at least a handful over the last three years. And you just wonder, could this guy, you know, be maybe the second best amongst this generation? I mean, including Tiger. So, um, you know, he's got a decent chance to to upfill on majors one, I think. Yeah, I mean, he he's just the natural talent there. You could just you could just see sure. it. He's, he's unreal. But uh he Real makes quick. it look so easy. You know, he, we throw that phrase around, but he really does. Yeah, he does. I mean, I I look at him hit the ball, and I'm like, maybe I could. No, I'm just – I know we're going golfing together this weekend, and I'll remind yeah. you of how bad I am at it, and then you can go back and watch Brooks and just be like, okay, yeah, that, that, that guy can do that, and I can't. Um, I see a lot of similarities <laughs> in your games, to be uh, honest. Maybe if he uh, throws a club in the, the lake this weekend, we'll see a similarity or two. Um, <laughs> but before we get to our favorite thing and the last time we're going to talk about it, a little tease there, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Podcast One. We always like to throw these in, but uh, it's time to place your bets with RJ Bell's Dream Preview on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get the real scoop from the betting expert himself as he shares the hottest tips during the NBA Finals. Download new episodes of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. How fitting to throw a betting show promotion on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour, aren't you? Um, I know you'll be listening to that, as will I. Of course. But we do want to talk about Game of Thrones, and it's a bit of a bittersweet week for us when it comes to Game of Thrones because it is the last episode ever. We saw Danny Targaryen just completely tear down... Uh, King's Landing, Cersei's dead, Jamie's dead, everyone's dead. Um, but there's a few left. left to, <laughs> John's wife left him. I guess it's his aunt, <laughs> which has gotten weirder and weirder. The incest in this show is insane. But uh, <laughs> where do we see this thing going? We're going to take a look at what Bovada thinks. But uh, you, 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 were you at all surprised by the way things transpired in this uh, fifth episode, the Battle of what do they? Where did, this wasn't the Battle. Of, what do they? What do they call this one? The massacre at King's Landing. Yeah, that sounds about right. The yeah, the red landing or something. I mean, I I feel like it was, it was a little bit expected. Um, my immediately immediate thought in the aftermath was a little bit of disappointment that it kind of went the way that we expected. But you know, this episode was actually a lot of what we expected out of the the episode three, the you know the Battle of Winterfell, where that we thought there would be tons of deaths. We fill out the death pool after that episode and, and all the deaths came here. We lose Cersei, we lose Jamie, we lose, or at least we think we do. Um, you know, and, and there were plenty of others that, uh, bit the bullet. So just a wild episode. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's setting the table for an actually somewhat unpredictable finish. I mean, I think that everyone assumes that Arya is going to get the job done and kill Danny. Um, but for now, uh, it's tough to know, uh, you know, and, and how that actually goes down. I think, 
I had some complaints about the way it went just in terms of like, you know, the abrupt changing of, uh, an ev- evolution really of Danny from, you know, benevolent queen to mad queen over, you know, basically three episodes, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, I would have liked to see more shots of her in this episode though, like getting, you know, progressively more insane. I just didn't really see that. And we haven't seen it in her body language at all. Yeah, let's take a look at what uh, Bovada thinks because we obviously have been talking from the last few weeks when we, you mentioned the death poll we did, but who's going to rule Westeros? We keep bringing this one up, and I keep getting more and more pissed off when I see who they have as the odds on favorite, and it's still Bran Stark at minus 450. I know, I if that ends that. like this, I just don't – I don't even – that will be the biggest disappointment in the history of television. Wow, that's Sansa a is number two at plus five hundred. They like the Starks to to would be ruling Westeros at the end of this. Yeah, they also like killing off the Starks. Gendry the is Gendry is plus one thousand. Jon Snow is plus one thousand. Why Gendry? Wow, Gendry. Well, Gendry technically has the. I'm not. An, I'm not. I don't have my nerd hat on. So you got to keep. You got to keep me in the loop here. So Gendry is is Robert Baratheon's son, and Robert Baratheon was obviously the king before. Uh, his wife essentially poisoned him um, while he was hunting for a bear. So, yeah, but the problem is that he's like his elite, uh, Gendry is Robert's illegal son. So it's, it's like his bastard, even though he is, you know, he has the claim because he's the oldest son or the only son, I believe, living of Robert. So, um, you know, from that perspective, if if Danny dies I, and, and all the, you know, Baratheons and Lannisters are dead, I think that it de- then does go to him, and that's uh, it's pretty interesting. So that's probably why she, he's there, and also because Arya loves him. And maybe Arya, you know, say Arya kills uh, Cersei and doesn't want to be the queen, maybe she, she hands it off to Gendry. So that's like one of the possible options. But my guess, I just can't believe it'd be Bran. That seems so lame. Like, he doesn't even want to be it. Yeah, I, I don't love it. I don't love that at all. I mean, they still have who will perish first in season eight. They have Jon Snow and Bran. I, I have a feeling Jon Snow is going to die. Um, and I just, I, 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 I have a feeling it's going to be Danny that kills him. And then I think oh. Arya is going to end up killing Danny. So I could see the gender thing based on what you just told me and what I should probably have known, being that I've watched Game of Thrones from the beginning. That's Clearly a long not. time ago. Yeah, that's no, good. that's true. But uh, but yeah, so they've got Arya at minus one seventy five, Sansa plus one thirty five, Bran at plus six hundred. I don't know that any of them will die. I mean, some of these. I don't see Arya being queen. There's, I would be very surprised. No, who will die first? Which Stark oh, will die sorry. first? Got it. Oh, will, will Jon Snow kill Danny? They have that at minus four fifty. Wow. Ooh. So that's a good opportunity for you to go the other way with that. Will there be nudity in the final episode? They have no at minus 400. Wow. I got to go yes there. I mean, that's like a calling card of the show. I'm taking the underdog. (laughs) And then will Tyrion survive the final episode at minus 400? I mean, they've got a, if you're, if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you are a betting man or woman, this is the time to go to Bovada because they have so many crazy odds up here. It's, I mean, it's awesome. I love it. I know. I feel like we we should do a pool with this for the last episode. It, it seems like a, a must-do here. Yeah, I mean, there's at least 15 uh, different things that you can throw some shekels on. So if you haven't taken a look, make sure you do it. That's uh, that's what we, Maybe we'll do a little prop sheet for the last episode. I mean, I, but again, go. if Bran ends up being uh, the, the, the ruler of Westeros – at the end of this uh, series, I just 
I just I, I think I'm going to look back and be like, I mean, it was still a fun ride, but if that's how it ends, that's just going to be so disappointing. Yeah, it'd be like taking a fun ride to Pittsburgh where the destination just sucks, but like the ride might have been okay. Yeah, I'd be more happy if taking a ride to Pittsburgh and watching a dragon completely annihilated would be <laughs> that'd be more up my speed. But uh, but okay, so wish list wise, though, if if you were writing the show and you wanted to please the the fans, what would what would be the way that you would kind of let this thing play out? Oh, like oh man, for given what we have left right now, man, that's a really great question. I would probably. I would probably try to switch it up completely. Like I would have, you know, Sansa or Tyr- Tyrion would be a great person to, you know, kind of realize the, his wrongs with Danny and, you know, get the job done and, and carry out, you know, what he should have in the first place, which is what Varys said, you know, look for the, you know, the benefit of the common man and somehow plot against Danny and get Jon Snow to the throne. I, I mean, I think... Like, if you look at all the people that are out there, who would be the best ruler in, in Westeros? I mean, I think that it would... I actually think it'd probably be Tyrion, but he, he also does well as the Hand, which is fine. But if you just look at everyone alive now, I, I feel like it would probably be Tyrion or Jon, and it would be sweet to see one of them ruling at the end of the day. Yeah, that's that's. But that's I don't true. think either of them has yeah, a chance. I, I just... Yeah, it's it's... Tyrion, I, I mean, I would like to see that, but I don't see it's not going to happen. I, I mean, it probably is going to be Bran. It's definitely going to be a Stark. Danny's dying. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's gone. She's she's definitely gone. What about I mean, the dragon, and, and, though? Yeah, I mean, he's ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, maybe John. Like, so Danny dies. John takes over. John because John's a Targaryen, right? I mean. He's technically Aegon, so he can probably ride that thing out, and maybe he serves as like, I don't know, a hand or whatever. And oh, and Ghost, are we going to see any of those guys from the north? Are we going to see, you know, Tormund. are we going to see Tormund? Are we going to see Ghost? Are we going to see, you know, his? I don't know. Are we going to see any of the Iron Fleet come rolling through? Is it what's going to happen here? Yeah, that's true. We haven't seen Yara in a while. I feel like Yara's coming. I, I don't see. I don't see her just disappearing the way that it happened. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, but I'm anxious and I'm a little nervous as to what's going to happen here. But uh, if nothing else, this yeah. has been one of the most epic television experiences of all time. I mean, how often are people talking about a TV show that has nothing to do with sports on sports podcasts? Uh, you know, we're <laughs> seeing it everywhere. Everybody's talking about it on social media. It's been uh, – they the, the, the writers have done a good job. I mean obviously it's based on what George R.R. R. Martin did, but uh, it's been a fun ride, and I, I look forward to seeing this through with my buddy Shu. So, yeah, uh, buddy. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun Sunday, my friend. But anything Absolutely. else that you wanted to throw out there, whether it's uh, NBA, uh, hopefully Steph's going down tonight, uh, but uh, NBA or, or Game of Thrones or PGA? No, sir. I, and this game is actually getting really good, so I'm interested to see how this sounds when uh, – when all said and done in game two. Yeah, it could be a big game shifter or a series shifter, I should say, uh, for what's to come in that series. But uh, that's going to do it for us. For Anshu Kana, I'm Josh Dunn. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>